Blog Talk Radio. What's up? How's everybody doing this evening? This is the show Self-Expressions, and I am your host, Brother Robert Pop-Pop Hudson. Welcome this evening as we go into uh, episode 1881 here at Purpose Kingdom Network. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us for tonight's episode. Tonight is a live broadcast, and anytime you want to join in on tonight's broadcast, you can call in at 319-527-6091, and you can press the number one, and we'll get you in as soon as we can. And tonight I just want to uh, go over a topic that I think that is important, and it's uh, do you really want to go to heaven? And, you know, we're going to be covering real quickly to give you a chance the uh, scriptures that we're covering. This is going to be simple. We're going to cover many scriptures, but we're going to primarily focus on Matthew 19, chapters 16 and 22. Once again, it's Matthew 19, 16 and 22. And... Just to you know, real, you know, go over real quickly. You know, do you do you really want to get to heaven? You know, do you really want to take the necessary steps and the means to get to heaven? And let's just jump into it because I got a lot of material I want to cover. And um, so there's there are two ways to get to heaven. The first is God's plan, and the second is the moral plan or man's plan. We can call God's plan the done plan. D O N E. Everything that needs to be done to assure you a place in heaven was done by Jesus Christ. It was during his death and resurrection many years ago, over 2,000 years ago. The moral plan could be called the do plan, the do plan. Everything that needs to get done to to get to heaven, doing works, works. Living a good life, and that's left to you to do. The catch is the do plan it does require 100% perfection from birth to death. The done plan requires Jesus Christ's perfection. Every religion in the world fits one of these two camps. Only one faith in the world is done is in the done category. That's Christianity. Every other faith, Islam, Hinduism, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, teachings that governs the welfare of your afterlife, and on conditions of the morality of this life. The moral plan is not a new plan. It's been around a long time. In fact, there's a story of a young, wealthy, influential guy, uh, a go kind of guy, you know, in, in the Bible, who was, was a classic example of someone who was trying to ensure a heavenly future by working the moral plan. And we're going to go into Matthew chapter 19. All right, so... This really covers, you know, this this guy. Okay, so now we're going to go into uh, Matthew. Now, behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good things, and notice the interest in morality and the morality of, of how he phrased things here. The first thing to notice about the moral plan is that it means 
attempting to get to heaven by doing good things, living a good life. And an example of our friend, our friend here, you know, getting advice from Jesus himself. So he's the classic moralist. The moral plan is one of Satan's greatest kind jobs. It's a kind because it sounds right. Do good, and who will argue with that? The goal of the moral plan, the aspiration of those who live according to the moral plan, are noble. So this young man's goal was to have eternal life. And he says, what must I do, he says, that I may have eternal life. So he wants to basically get to heaven. There's nothing wrong with the goal, you know, of, of trying to get to heaven. Everything is wrong with this plan, however, getting to heaven. So many people live the moral plan. And so we, we're going to go into this, this, this noble aspiration. You know, they want heaven. You know, their plan is, is, is but their plan is flawed. Our friend in the story is, is especially commended because he has some characteristics that might su- su- suppress that desire for heaven. First, he was rich, and that's covered in verse 22. He says he was wealthy. Money has a way of introducing a person from the youthfulness has a way of suppressing internal issues and producing feelings of immorality. Third, he was powerful. And Luke 18, 18 tells the same story and supplies additional biographical detail that he was a ruler. He had power and authority, and he wanted control over the destinies of people's lives. Power has a way of going to people's heads. And, you know, the issues of magnifies the issue of eternal consequences. Though he was rich, young, and powerful, he was smart enough to understand that life is short. And he, and he cared about the ultimate, uh, you know, the ultimate effects of, of the afterlife. And the standard for the moral plan, so Jesus punches at this young man's obsession from the very beginning. So in verse 17, Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. And Jesus takes his term good that is so subjective, and he defines it, so, you know, so long as goodness is left in the abstract, we can, we can attribute goodness to anybody. We can all come off, you know, smelling like roses. Morally speaking, depending on with whom you compare yourself to or ourselves to, Jesus applies a concrete standard to the concept of good. You know, he provides a measurable def- definition, a standard by which all goodness can be measured. He says, no one is good but God. There is the benchmark of goodness. It is only perfection of God to see. So if you're planning to work the moral plan to get to heaven, then you need to know the absolute standard of goodness. You need to know how good you have to be. Is there, is, is, it's possible to get to heaven or more on a moral plan, so long as you meet the standards, and the standard is the most holy, righteous, absolute perfection of God, and that is covered in verse 17. Jesus says, it is the way. If you want to enter into the life, keep on the commandments, and he means keep them perfectly. That means not only from now on, but from the moment of birth to the moment of death. One slip, one blunder, one word of anger will mean instant disqualification. And James says, whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble one point, he is guilty of all. And so that means keeping all the commandments. That means not breaking out a one. So access to heaven 
on a moral plan is theoretically possible, but it's practically absurd. Unfortunately, our friend in the story doesn't yet get it. He still thinks the moral plan is a good bet. And a quick description of the moral plan, in response to Jesus', Jesus statement to keep the commandments, the young man blurts, which one? He doesn't get it. Jesus is describing living a perfect life. Humanly unachievable, you know, basically a human, humanly unachievable standard, and yet he thinks that it's, manageable, it's a manageable assignment. He thinks there is a set of commandments that he can obey to such a degree that he can satisfy the perfectly holy standard of God and basically get qualified into heaven. So Jesus works with him, and, you know, he lobs a few simple commandments his way. He says, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, honor your parents, love your neighbor as yourself. And as Jesus talks, you know, our friend is his score, and he's feeling pretty pleased with himself. And in verse 20, he says, all these I have kept since my youth. And basically, the young man needs to be educated because he doesn't really know much about Jesus. And Jesus is about to enlighten him. And pretty much he's not going to be pretty. So the young man's problem is that he thinks ex- external comfort is a set of rules that is sufficient to you know access heaven and satisfy God. But God is not interested in external comfort, uh, you know, to the set of his commandments. You know, he wants your heart. That's That's the part of the relationship. So in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said that it's not enough to not murder people. If you're angry with someone, you're broken the spirit of that commandment because God wants your heart. Jesus went on to say that it's not enough to not commit adultery. And if you look at a woman with lustful thoughts in your heart, you've broken the spirit of that commandment because God wants your heart. See, Jesus would have gone on after the spirit of each of these commandments that he mentioned to the young man. He could have said, you mean you've never become angry at someone ever? never gotten bitter, never had a wayward sexual thought about a woman, never massaged the truth, never taking something not rightfully yours ever. You know, he could have asked those heart-probing questions and exposed the imperfections of this young man's heart. See, man looks at outward appearance of a person, but God looks at the heart. We measure it with a yard, you know, we, we measure with a yardstick. God measures with a dipstick. He doesn't. He does it inside. He he measures the heart. Jesus could have exposed the nakedness of this damaged man's heart right there, but he didn't. He decided to expose his heart in another way, in a masterly way. Actually, he does it by exposing an entirely different heart issue in this young man's life, different from all the issues he has, you know, was raised up to this point. Before we go on that. Let's pick up another insight about the moral plan, okay? The the results of the moral plan, and we're going to go to verse 20. The young man says, all these I have kept. This young man is still delusional, and he still thinks his moral plan is watertight and capable of, of getting him to heaven. He still hasn't caught what Jesus is saying. He says in the the spirit of his wealth, his youthfulness, and his power, he knows something is still missing. What do I still lack? Sure as he's about the moral plan, he's not sure he's bound for heaven. 
he's restless. You know, no matter how good he thinks he is, he still has this nagging fear that he's not ready to die and and says to Jesus, What am I still lacking? He doesn't he, he doesn't get this feeling because of what Jesus has been saying. That feeling is evident from, you know, opening questions to Jesus. What good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Implications that, you know, he has something missing in his life. And we all have, you know, uh, from time to time that feeling that we have some something missing in our life, uh, a portion of our life where we feel as though there's something missing, something left behind, something where we um, – that we feel as though that we lost something. There's that feeling that we have, that lingering feeling that I'm missing something. And this is what that young man was feeling. And, you know, a lot of people who hope to achieve heaven on a moral plan experience the same restlessness, that same nagging fear that they're not ready to die. When when I ask someone who's working the moral plan if they know for sure that they're going to heaven, they almost always reply, I hope so, and I like to, but I can't say for sure. In other words, no matter how good you are, they're not sure. They're not sure that if there is a problem or if there isn't a problem. And when you're shooting for a certain standard and you think that you hit it or you're close to it, um, there's there's no sh- a sure way. So God wants to be certain that you are heaven-bound. So the Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, I write these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. And so we're going to go back uh, into to Matthew. We're going to go to the 21st verse. And back there, uh, Jesus says to this young man who is determined to live out his moral plan, if you want to be perfect, and that's pretty much the bombshell that hits him, the pursuit of perfection is the essence of the moral plan. Jesus is really saying, very well then, if you want to be perfect. So Jesus is describing the logical conclusion of this man's moral plan. If you plan to access heaven on a moral plan, then you better plan on being perfect. That's the fatal flaw of the moral plan. It's a plan that is an unachievable goal, and it's because uh, it's because this poor guy hasn't really realized yet. And Jesus exposes one clear example of the corruption of this man's heart, and that is, you know, pretty close to him. And so he, Jesus pretty much hit a home run, that we shall have no alternative but to admit that he is not the, the model of morale virtue, you know, and – when we pretend to be the morale version of what we pretend to be, it brings out all of our imperfections where all can see that, you know, we are basically living a delusional life because we live clean, because we eat healthy, because we exercise every day, because we go to church every Sunday, that does not give us a guaranteed right to go to heaven. Our guaranteed right to go to heaven is within us to do. And, you know, it, as it's continued to, to read on in the Word of God, and as we, we learn, we correct our imperfections. We get a chance to, you know, uh, do away with our flaws and, you know, get away you know get away from our greedy heart. So to expose the greed in verse 21, Jesus says, go and sell what you have and give it to the poor. Jesus wasn't saying that to access the heaven was basically to give you your your precious uh, stuff away and give away all your money. 
He's not even teaching that as access to getting to heaven. That's what he meant. Well, well the contingence uh, on being generous is one of the things. And one of the things that, you know, we have is we have an excess. We have abundance of certain things that we can easily give away to other people, but we don't. We just hold on to them for no reason at all. And what Jesus is telling this guy is that, hey, yes, you're wealthy. Yes, you have a lot of things. He's not saying give away everything. He's saying one, one of the parts is that they're, they're needy people. You're, they're, you're going to be needy people around all of us. It's going to be people in need, and we're not saying the, the fact that people are, are not greedy. Yes, people are greedy. People do want more than what they can handle. But what Jesus is telling this man is that, yes, we, yes, you, can, you don't have to give away everything, but there are needy people around you. They're poor, you know, and uh, or meeting the needs of, of the poor is important to God and as a, of all these other things because that's what it means when Jesus says, you know, he was sanctioning and validating the moral plan. But he's doing the opposite of all the things, you know, that is being stated. Besides, you know, there are many examples of wealthy people in the scriptures who love God and were never told to give away all their wealth. A careful reading of the, of the next part of verse 21, and Jesus says in this verse, you will have treasures in heaven. That's a marvelous, profound, and, you know, and part of eternal life that Jesus extended to the young man. And right before that, he says, give your stuff, your stuff to the poor. And he says, you know, the, the key part, the promise of treasure in heaven is not conditional on what he said prior to, to the promise. Rather, you know, what he said after the promise and that he said after the promise of heaven has come, follow me. Here's the full text. You know, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. The promise of heaven is dependent upon the invitation to follow Christ, not the action of giving away your wealth. More about, you know, we'll go more about that in a moment. So Jesus, Jesus is simply illustrating that no matter how good you are, you'll never be good enough to earn heaven. And the tragedy of the story is that when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, and that's the verse 22. The problem is not that he was sad. The tragedy is that he went away and away from the only one who could have ended his quest for, for life uh, eternal that he desperately wanted. And unfortunately, uh, he, wanted, he wanted it on his terms, not God's terms. And I'm going to speak on that in a minute real quickly before we get back to what we were talking about. You know, um, a lot of times we want things, and but we want them on our terms. And we can't accept them how, how God has given us, given things to us. Sometimes God gives us many chances at some things. And yet we still we, 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 we turn away. You know, for example, let's just say you're in the need of a car. And let's just say he gives you, um, you know, a, a, a Toyota Prius. And he says, oh, I, I can't see myself in a Prius. No, no way. But as a means of transportation, you that Prius will get you way further than what you need to do than, you know, sitting there dwelling on what type of car you, you, you have. You know, if you can't handle a Prius, what makes you think that, you know, you're going to be able to handle a Mercedes-Benz? If you can't take care of that Prius, think he's going to put in, in your hands a Mercedes-Benz. Maybe the Prius is the beginning of, of things to come. But we don't look at it that way. We look at it the way is that 
hey, when I get a car, my car is going to be a Mercedes Benz. You know, and you cannot imagine yourself driving a Prius. Why? It's because you want things on your terms. You know, God's plans work many ways. Some, you know, so it, you know, picture yourself as a parent, and that you have a, um, let's say you have a Maserati or something like that. Would you put those keys in the hands of a 16-year-old? Would you trust them with that Maserati, or would you give them the Datsun you got? You know, and say, hey, you know. You can drive this car, you know, things go right, you know, I may trust you to drive the Maserati. Lessons and plans that God has in store for us. We just have to be patient and, and, and wade our way through. You know, in life, you know, we are used to this microwave society where, you know, things come instantly. You know, uh, there is a thing of earning, you know, the things that you that you get, the things that you have incorporated in your life. Okay, so let's let's just get back on uh, our plan. So the fatal flaw of the moral plan is the very heart that you have is become corrupted. In Romans three twelve, it says, "There is none who does good." Let me illustrate this for you. We have a group of of seniors at our church who uh, we have a carpet board. One day, while we were trying to pick up a, a few tips. You know, a guy named Bob explained to me that, you know, every bowl, bowling ball has a bias. It's weighted on one side, and when you throw the ball, the weight as it turns to the right or left is called a bias. The ball, you know, helps pretty much itself, and it becomes a bias. The Bible says inside the human heart is a bias that turns us away from God and his plan. And Isaiah 56, uh, 53, verses 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned on his way. And also in Romans chapter 3, uh, well, yeah, chapter 3, verses 12 says, they have all turned aside. We're all biased to turn away from God, just like our friend in the story. There's a fatal flaw in our moral plan. People try to work the moral plan with a biased heart, and that's not possible. Okay, so the alternative to the moral plan, and uh, anytime you know we have, you know, uh, a proposition, we have a counter proposition. So the alternative to the moral plan is so much of the moral plan and its and its inadequacy to access heaven. So what's the solution? If not the moral plan, then what? So in verse. 21, Jesus says, come follow me. Jesus is saying to this young man, I'm the alternative to the merciless impossibles, to the moral treadmill that you're on. And in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says the same thing, but in different words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, Jesus is God in the flesh. He's a God-man. He was virgin-born. He lived a perfect life, righteous, righteousness and sinless life. You know, he died on the cross to pay the penalty for the blunders, mistakes, and wrong choices. The Bible calls them sin. We offer basically, you know, complete forgiveness. So there's no failure in your past that lies, you know, beyond the boundaries of your willingness to forgive. And he also rose to victory from the grave. You know, he's alive today, and through his spirit lives the heart of men, women, and children 
all over the world. He's King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He's worth all of your worship and surrenders your, and, you know, you have to surrender your life to him. And he invites you to come. And like he said, come follow me. You know, so this guy's problem wasn't that he was rich or that he was willing to give away his money. His, his, his problem was that he refused to abandon his moral plan. And he turned his back on Christ. You know, it's not sin that keeps people out of heaven. It's the rejection of the person of Christ. You know, he went away sorrowful because Jesus told him to lose the money. But the real tragedy is, you know, how he was so lost in his life. Unfortunately, our friend was heartbroken for the wrong reason. You know, he missed the point. And un- unfortunately, that mistake everyone makes who is, you know, is part of the moral plan. And the whole point, you know, of, of Christ is that you don't have to give everything up. <clears throat> you just have to be willing to listen and follow. You know, some people can't, you know, have, have a problem following directions, following orders. Uh, yes, it's kind of hard to say, you know, I'm my own person and I, I don't, I don't like to follow nobody's plan and I, my plan is perfect. And, um, I, I don't, you know, in everyday life, I don't like what my, how my boss tells me to do my job. I don't think that he's, um, he knows what he's talking about and things like that. You know, there are, you know, certain things that go on in our everyday life. Like for instance, getting a driver's license, you know, and here's a, a funny fact about when you obtain a driver's license. When you obtain a driver's license, they give you a, a rule book. And in that rule book, they tell you uh, how to follow, you know, different procedures, different uh, signage, uh, what does this mean, what does that mean. And when it comes time for you to take the, the driving portion of the test, many of us fail. And the reason why many of us fail is because we don't intend to follow none of those rules. We intend to drive the way we want to drive. We intend to do what we want to do when we get behind the wheel. And the reason why that they had that manual for us to study was because they want that to us to incorporate that in the roadways when we drive. And how do we fail the test? We fail the test because we fail to realize that we still have to follow the rules no matter how close we are to obtaining that driver's license, if we don't follow the rules, we're not going to get that license. And some of us, you know, base our life on studying to pass, to, to get by, to get by and, you know, it also for another example, uh, let's say you take a test and you get a 70. And uh, you say, hey, I, 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 I still pass. You pass, but you barely pass. And, you know, some people will look at it and say, well, well, I passed, I got this over with. Or some people say, hey, you know what, this is not over. You know, uh, I got a 70. I need to do better. I need to go take that test again and do better. Some of us take that attitude. Some of us take that reasoning and saying, yes, I need to do better. You know, and I'm, I'm – I'm sure you can actually say to yourself, I can do better. Yes, and you do have a chance to get better, and you do have a chance to do better. And that can start 
you know, um, any moment in your life, like right now. And right now what I want to do is uh, I'm going to go into the call of salvation, and then we'll uh, I'll make some announcements, and then we'll get back to the show and we'll wrap things up. So the call of salvation is simple. It's inviting Christ in your life. You know, you don't have to do anything special but to invite him into your life and just let him know that you want to turn over a new lease of life, whereas though you know that you have imperfections, you're doing, you know, you're doing things the wrong way. You're doing simple things, and you wish to, you know, wash that away. You can wash that away by just asking him that, you know, you know, that you plan on having a new life and that you accept a new life and that you no longer want to rejoice in sin, but you want to do away with it. And once you do that and you, you know, say to yourself, God, I am a sinner and I wish to repent and change my life now and forever. Once you do that, you're, you're, you know, you're saved. And next thing, you know, I suggest you do is you tell somebody. You can just yell it out. You can just open your window. Hey, I gave my life to Christ. Call somebody, text somebody. You know, do what you, you know, what you got to do. You know, and just let someone know that you turned your life over. And uh, so, and the, you know, the next step, I, uh, you know, to find a Bible believing, teaching, preaching sanctuary that are nurture the word of Christ. And that nurturement is, is so important. And if you can't find a church home, you know, that's why we're here at Purpose Kingdom Network where we're here broadcasting almost each and every night that we're able to. And uh, you can stay here with us until you find that church home. And so real quickly, I'm going to go to the announcements. This is a product of Purpose Kingdom Network. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us for tonight's episode. No matter where in the world you are, whether you're listening to us via phone or you're listening to us online. We greatly appreciate uh, the support and the people from many different countries that continue to listen to us here at Purpose Kingdom Network. And um, we just really appreciate your listenership and your support. And we also thank those that share with their friends and family members, letting them know that Purpose Kingdom Network is on the air. Anytime we do a live broadcast, we broadcast live on www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. And when we do a live broadcast, we do have a call-in number, which is 319-527-6091. And anytime you want to talk to one of our hosts, you just press the number one. We also invite you to look up any of our past shows, which is also at the same website, www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. And uh, you just simply type in the host name or the show name, and you can hear that show in its entirety and at your convenience. If you want to correspond with us via email, you can correspond with us at PurposeKingdomNet at gmail.com where you can see your comments, questions, concerns. You can simply say hello or send a prayer request. We're glad to be out of that. Those that are in need of a Bible, you can leave your contact information, and we will see about getting you a Bible. Uh, also, please check out our radio network, which is PKN.com. It's uh, PKN.com. You can just check that out where you can hear 24 hours of music of inspiration. Also, we do have Radio Call. Just check us out at Radio Call. Just type in PKN, and you can listen to some of our content there. Uh, also, we invite you to like us on our Facebook page, which is at Purpose Kingdom at Facebook. You, see our, you can see our upcoming shows and advertisements. And from time to time, we do make major announcements on the social media pages as well as others. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Purpose underscore Kingdom. Uh, okay, so and tomorrow evening at the 9 p.m. hour, just uh, take note of the time change at the 9 p.m. hour. Just check us out 
uh, at the 9 p.m. hour for uh, the PKN News Forum. So PKN Newsroom will be on tomorrow evening at the 9 p.m. hour. Well, guys, well, guys, bless, and you'll be able to join us. All right. And so with that being said, that's going to be the end of the announcements. And we're going to get back to where we were. And uh, we were covering uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses uh, 19 and 22. And we were primarily uh, covering those, but we are going over uh, a couple of other verses. But, you know, we were going over the guy that was posing, uh, you know, Jesus the question, you know, how can I get to heaven? And he wanted, when he first asked that question, he thought he was so close until he realized that he was so delusionally far apart of becoming part of the kingdom of heaven. And it destroyed him more than when he had to realize that the steps that he had to take. You know, this is not an easy thing that we that, that we're doing. You know, life is life is eternal, but uh, life is is the you know the end result of life is there's no getting out of life alive. And we have to realize that you know we have to live our our life according to how Christ dictates to us. You know, we have to establish that relationship. If we don't have that relationship with Him. You know, we need to start doing that now. So you, you're probably wondering where all the good works fit to the God's plan. Does God not care about good works? Yes, he does. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you become a transformed person. You know, the goodness and good works, you know, it will be part of your transformation. It will come naturally. It will be something that you won't even think about as far as giving and as far as, you know, uh, expressing the gratitude. because God has promised us heaven, you know, not as currency, you know, for what we do, for our good deeds. It is just for simply being. It is for being and, and believing in him and following him. You know, one last thing, you know, God loves, he still, he, you know, he still loves that, that young man and, and God loves you, you know, but how much do you love God? You know, we, we, we're his children. And, you know, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And, you know, he rose from the dead because of his great love for, for everybody that has been has labored in his name. And just, don't, you know, just don't ever forget that, you, you know, you have a choice. You do have a choice. And it's up to you to believe that you do have those choices. You have the right to exercise those choices. Continue to read your Bible and understand that sometimes you may be reading the verse more more than once. But because you read that verse more than once doesn't mean you're going to have the same understanding the next time you read it. So it is important to, you know, keep our connection not only through, you know, to God, but through his word, and that's the Bible. Um, I pretty much don't have a, a much more to go over today uh, or tonight. And it's it's been fun doing this, you know. I, I've told you guys a lot of times, you know. I have I have fun doing this. I actually I actually love doing this. And anytime I have opportunity, I, I hop on it. And one of the best things is that um, I'm I'm not looking to be a, a star or or you know a, you know a, a, you know a televangelist or whatever you know you got, but you know. Um, I'm just looking to even if I just reach one soul and you know help one person and you know uh shout out to the 
the many uh, countries that we have listen to us, and um, you know some of them uh, they they face uh, major repercussions if court listens to this program. So um, I'd like to thank those people for being dedicated in doing so. So uh, before we go, I'm going to play a special song, and um, we, we'll end the show. So, um, hey, God bless everybody. You know, I love you. Uh, make sure you take time out to love yourself. If you don't have time to love yourself, you possibly can't love anybody else. So make sure you take that time out, you know, for yourself to love yourself. And um, with that being said, I'll be out of here, so I'm going to play this song, and then we'll end the program.
All right, all right, everybody. That was Yolanda Adams, and the song was Anything. We don't have the rights to that song, but we're just playing it in just the spirit of joy and comfort. So uh, with that being said, uh, it's been a blast. Rejoin us tomorrow evening at 9 p.m. Peace. I'm out of here. Jesus bless. He raised me, I will not lose. He saved me, I will not lose. I will not lose. Never wanna see me down, I will not lose.